we talked about it first, I reckon, where I didn't say, uh, okay, can we quiet down? It's just this hush comes. So that's great. I think um, we tried stuff a little bit different this, this morning, so we'll get some parents that are coming back in from um, dropping their kids at KidZone as well. But we're in our I'm Done series. Uh, I'm done with dot, dot, dot. Uh, this morning we're talking about I'm done with church, which seems a bit weird talking to all of you people who are at church. <laughs> Perhaps I need to go and preach somewhere else. Um, I'm going to pray that the Lord will help us as we go through. Um, this is uh, a tough one to, for some people because I know that there's people in this room who've been done with church and I know as part of their story is that they've been significantly burnt by what they would see church is. Uh, and some of you have bravely decided, you know what, I, I just feel like the Lord wants me to re-engage and you're here and you should be commended for that. But I want to acknowledge up front that there's some significant hurts that happens in this realm. And for that, I think it grieves the heart of the Lord that that, that is the case. So I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I just, um, just ask you to pray along with me that we might actually hear from the Lord this morning. I don't want to just say a bunch of things. I really want the Lord to speak to us and so that we can know who, who he is and what he's done and who he's building. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thanks for... Um, everything that you've done uh, and that is a big everything <laughs> the, there are moments and times where we're in our own small little worlds and we only see with you know limited blinkers we, we see who's in the room with us not those who are outside the room what they're doing we only see sort of people around in the networks that we know and we don't see much of what goes on in other countries and but lord you see it all you're, you're, you've got a worldwide scope. And Lord, I'd thank you that when we read your word, you seem to let us in on some of that. You seem to paint a picture that's just bigger than us and bigger than ourselves. And so, Father, as we're looking into your word today, I do ask that you might just floor us with how beautiful it is, these people that you're building, your church. And Lord, I pray for those who are hurting and who have been hurt by church. And to some extent, I put myself in some of that as well, Lord. I just pray for our hearts, that you might give us truth that we can hold, that you might give us uh, a capacity to understand what you're doing and what you want for your people, N not perhaps what our experience has necessarily been, but, but what you want. Father, we need your grace in this. We need it because of that limited uh, capacity to see that I spoke about earlier. Uh, so, Father, grace upon grace, we, we need it now. So please give it our praise. We open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm done with church. These are probably phrases I've thought, if not said. I'm not going today, Mum. It's boring. It's irrelevant. It's just a bunch of pretenders and hypocrites there. I'm not going. Just a bunch of old people there. I'm not going. Sucks the fun out of life. I'm not going. I've tried it and it didn't work. I'm not going. I don't need it. it makes me feel guilty. Always leave feeling worse. There's no reason for me to be there. I wonder as I was reading through some of those things whether anything twigged in your hearts where you can remember moments where you might have been there saying similar stuff. I'm a PK. 
uh, pastor's kid. I probably shouldn't be here, really, if I was following the course of like the typical PK. They kind of have this rebellious zone and then run away. Um, I can remember being in church and being so frustrated with just being around people that I just didn't seemingly have anything in common with and having my sister do something and I just thought I just felt this rage growing in me as I think I was probably about grade nine or something like that. And I can remember getting a stack of plastic chairs and going, and trying to tip them over her while everyone's eating morning tea. <laughs> Do you remember that, Johnny? I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> You're probably the sister, did you say? <laughs> yeah, I was trying to squash you. No. Um, as laughingy as that kind of sounds, and the, you know, that was a scene, right? And the scene was there because I felt like when I was among God's people, like, what was this? I, I, it didn't make sense. I didn't want to be there. There was many, many times where I was dragged along the church kicking and screaming. And I can even remember I used to play bass in the, in the band. And at one point, they took me off the stage because my face was so <sighs> bored that they made me sit down in the front chair to play bass. <laughs> Um, church, is, church is tough for some people. And to be honest, for a majority of my, well, not a majority, a significant portion of my life, it was really tough for me to go to church. I did not want to go to church. But fast forward it through, and I've had uh, a genuine faith commitment of my own, been baptised. And I was engaged in uh, doing some of the Lord's work, probably more outside the walls of a Sunday service at university campuses and stuff. And I can remember coming back in, after I'd been to uni and been involved in Christian groups at uni, coming back to church and, and really feeling like, what is this thing? Why are all these people here singing funny songs that they don't even look like they believe? Why, why are these members meetings happening where people are yelling at each other across the way and everyone's leaving feeling broken? I've seen some pretty ugly sides of church. I saw what church did to my, my dad and my mum at times. You know, I see the discouragement sometimes of just trying to lead, lead a people and then having them throw stuff back in your face or just make terrible decisions that hurt themselves and others and just the hurt that that brought in. And the reason I'm saying all this at the start isn't to give you the anti-pep talk. It's just to be real, right? The, the, real, the realness of what, what we're, we're talking about here is that there's plenty of people who are in our community who have tried church, had it bust them up, and now no longer are here among us because they don't feel it has anything to offer them. They don't feel that they, they, they should be here. Now, I think that's a tragedy. But it's a reality, and we need to face it. That's why I'm done with church. We need to not just buy Satan's lies as he nibbles away going, you don't really need to gather with God's people anymore. You can just love Jesus and then just stay away. You, there's, a, there's a set of lies Satan has in this realm that cause us to think improperly about church. And at very, very many occasions in my life, I know that I've been buying some of these lies. And so we need the scriptures to open them up and to see what does God want to tell us about church. I've got three probably reasons that I think I'm still here. Compelling reasons, I think, to still be a part of church. Uh, the first one 
We'll um, flip over to the next couple of slides. Next one there. First one is this. You are the church. Um, might not seem like a reason, but I think we do need to think about the way that the Bible talks about church. It doesn't talk about church as much as a place to go to or a building to rock up in as a people who, who, who are. So a couple of scriptures up there. Have a look at that. Colossians 1.18 it speaks, the church often speaks about the body, the body, and it talks about a group, of, a group of believers. And here, on two occasions, you see Paul saying, um, talking about the body and then referring to it then as the church. Over and over again in scriptures, the, the picture that's painted about, you know, what is church isn't a service that is attended. It's a people who are, the people that God is building. Have a look in uh, Ephesians 1.22 there. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fits, fills all in all. You see, if you're a believer, you can't not be the church. You can't be done with church if you are the church any more than a human can be done with being a human and just decide, no, I'm done with human, I'm not human anymore. The Bible would define those people who are Jesus followers, people of faith, as the church. That's what the church is. God is building for himself a people. Not necessarily a building, not necessarily an epic service, a people. A people. Uh, Flip over to the next slide there, Matthew 16, 18. Jesus says, I will build my church. He's in a conversation with Peter at the time. Think about that. Jesus is building something. It's not Bob the builder in this occasion, it's Jesus the builder. Jesus is actively doing stuff. Very often when we read the scriptures and the word, we're reading stuff that happened over there in past tense. And we can be forgiven for thinking that Jesus has done the things and it's all done and that now that I'm here, I just read about what's done and I expect nothing here. But that is not the future that the Bible trajects us towards. That is not the way that the scriptures articulate what's happening now. What's happening now is Jesus has said he's building his church, a people, and guess what he's doing? He's building his people. Jesus is building. I love this verse in 1 Peter 2 verse 10. It says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Jesus is building something. And it's wonderful that he is. Jesus builds good things. He's building a church, a group of people on the planet. You see how it's so much, it doesn't make sense for me to say, well, I don't like the music at, at the church I grew up in growing up, so I'm not going to go. You know, that, that kind of makes church be something that I, I, I go to or that I attend rather than something that I am. You see how it changes the way that we think when we take on the biblical language now, when we're looking at something like a service with something in it that I don't really, you know, I'm not gelling with that particular song, I'm not gelling with that music style or something like that. It makes it a different kettle of fish for us to go, no, I am the church. And so I will be the church and I'll rock up among people and I will focus on being the people of God with the people of God. It gives us a different set of questions, a different set of aims. It's wonderful. 2 Corinthians 5, um, let's flip over to that one. 
If you're here this morning and you're not, even if you're unsure, if you're not a saved person, if you're not a Christian, I want you to zone in with me here because there's an invite to the people of God here. You can, you can be a part of God's family that God is building, that Jesus is building right here and right now if you would place your faith in Jesus. Let's have a look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 21. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Once you are not a people, I'm making you into a people. That's what Peter said, right? You see how this works? Is that everyone in this room was at one stage in their life, separated from God. And you had zero capacity to get back to God on yourself. And yet God chooses to offer you a way to be reconciled with him. It's Jesus. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old's gone, the new's come. They're knitted into the people of God. And so there are people sitting in this room who have been knitted in to Jesus and what he's doing. He's building his church. If you're knitted in, praise God. You're reconciled to him and you're a part of his people. I love this. This is great. If you're not, you should be. I implore you on behalf of God, be reconciled to him. I join Paul in saying God is doing something and you should be a part of it. And the way that you can be a part of it is by placing your faith in him. And I say that to those of you who know you're not, and even to those of you who are like, you know what, I don't know if I'm a part of the people of God. I implore you on behalf of God, be reconciled to God. You can't be reconciled by your merit. You can't roll out 50 good days and then get the ticket to the people of God. It's not the way it works. The only way you get entrance to the people of God is by faith, repentance and faith. Throwing yourself on Jesus instead of yourself, saying, I trust you for the forgiveness of my, of my sin. And choosing to place your faith and your trust in him. If you do that, then you're a part of the people. And then I say to you, don't be done with church. You are the church. I find that a very compelling and, and an awesome reason. Flip over to the next slide there. Back to Matthew 16, verse 18. Just got the word church highlighted there. There's, a, there's an idea out there that says something on the lines of, um, oh, you know what, if I am the church, then I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be with the people of God. I'll just be the church where I am and I'll just remain separate. I really think that that's a... A, a misnomer, a not understanding of what God does with his people. The word church there is, in, in Greek, where it comes up in the, in the New Testament, is the word ecclesia. And ecclesia literally means uh, assembly, ga- gathering. We're the body, yes, we're a, we're a people, the church is a people, but we're the people who gather. That's who we are. It doesn't necessarily mean, I don't think, gather in, in this setting, But gather with the people of God. There is no such thing as lone ranger people of God. We are the people who gather. That's what the word church means. So if you've, uh, I guess I'm preaching to the converted here in a very real sense. 
you're here. But in a month's time or two months' time, you might be tempted not to be because Satan might come to you and he might say to you, you know what? You don't even like those people at church. Why don't you just stay? You're saved. It's fine. No. The word of God comes to you and says, gather with his people. So continue to gather. And when Satan throws those lies at you, throw back the scripture to him. Say, no, no, no. That's not the way it goes. So the first reason I think I haven't tapped out, despite being a chair-throwing little misfit, <laughs> um, is because in this crazy way, God said to me, you're the church, Jeff. You can't leave. <laughs> oh. uh, the second one, Jesus loves the church. Um, was anyone at Zach and Laura's wedding yesterday? There's a few of you here. It was beautiful. This passage came up a bunch of times. It often comes up in weddings, and I love that it does. But there's an analogy here. I'm going to read it, and um, you'll pick up the analogy, and then we'll have a bit of a chat about it. It's from Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll start from verse 25. If you want the full balance to kind of look at it, you can go home and read from verse 22, but we're starting from 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her and having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present to the church uh, to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves himself, uh, he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Might stop there. Actually, no, we'll keep going. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, you let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You see, Paul's like saying two things here. <clears throat> He's saying to husbands, you should love your wives. But he's also trying to tell us something, a, a bigger thing, a more main thing in this point. Uh, he says that down in verse um, 32. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. He's like, you know, husbands, I, I do want you to love your wives and you should. But, but I'm, I'm trying to say something here about Christ and the church. And don't miss that as well. And so we're not at a wedding today. So I'm going to focus on the second bit, Christ loving his church. I find that a very compelling reason to stick around, to not be done with church, because Jesus loves his church. You know, sometimes we can say we love stuff, or sometimes people can say they love stuff, and I think an appropriate uh, response is something on the lines of, where have you shown that? You know, like a, the, it's thrown around a lot, but ultimately, love, real love, the, the kind of love that the Bible would portray to us, is an active love. It's a love with actions attached. So it shows it to be real. And so we can say, well, Jesus, you know, like when I look at church and I see these people and I see this stuff I don't like, and then you say you love it, I'm like, oh, are you sure? How do we know? 
and gave himself up for her. That's how we know. The cross is how we know Jesus loves his church. That's the reasoning here. Jesus loves his church and he didn't just say it. He's not just passing over random stuff. He loves it enough to die for it. He loves his church. All of you that have, that have repented and have faith in Christ, and you're a part of a people and you are loved. He gave it all. And so to turn around and start throwing arrows and burrs at the, the people that Jesus loves, it doesn't make sense that that, that thought that says, well, I, lo- I love the church, uh, I, love, I love Jesus, but I just don't love the church. I think what I'll do is I'll go away and I'll just focus on loving Jesus and the church, I hate all those guys, I just love Jesus. No, no, your Lord, the one you say you love, loves the church. If you love him, love what he loves. This is very, very important and we need it in our souls. We need you to ache for the church when it's getting it wrong because you love it. We all, we all do. We need, we, need to, we need to see and have a care for the church that's similar to that which Jesus has set down the example and gave himself up for her. Put yourself out to love the church well. That's the example that is set here. It's big. There's also another reason people kind of tap out of church is that, you know, that hypocrisy thing? You know, they see sin everywhere inside the church and they go, ah, bunch of hypocrites, I'm leaving. <clears throat> There's a sense in which I think this passage and reading between the lines a little bit, it says, yep, there's a bunch of hypocrites in the church. Yep, there's a bunch of sinners in the church. But what is Jesus doing with them? He's sanctifying them. He's working to present them without the sin. The sin is not okay to just sit there and be left unchecked. The church is meant to be holy, like he he is holy. But let me tell you, that if you go to out of this church because somebody does something to you and you go to the church down the road, you're going to find more sin there. Not more as in a level, it's just like there's more there. And there's more at the church up here and over here and around here. Sin is in the church until Jesus comes and he fully, finally fixes it all. Sin is going to be a part of our experience here. But what is Jesus doing with that sin? He's carving it out. He's scraping it off. He's helping us go through repentance. Churches, if, if, we, if we best understand our situation in, in the church in regards to sin, it's this. Deep down, you know you're a sinner and you need to get better at repentance. Me too. Deep down, I know I'm a sinner and I need to get better repentance. There's no point in coming to church and pretending we're all perfect because the Bible's called it out time and time and time and time again and it calls it out again this morning. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. And so rather than being experts at pointing out where other people are getting it wrong, the Bible would call you as a member of his kingdom to look at yourself and to take the speck out of your own eye or the log out of your own eye so that you can see the speck in your brother's potentially. 
It's no good carrying on like sin's not here. It is. And Jesus is dealing with it. Um, Another thought I had while I was on the way through this is just how icky sin is. I just want to be a I just want to be rid of it. I, I, you, you look out in, in culture and you see a land saturated with sin and the effects of it and that breaks my heart and causes me to just... Ugh. You, know, you read another news article about something else that's gone a little bit haywire and I, I think to myself, oh, sin's gross. Families being busted up by all sorts of dodginess. And I look at all of that and I'm like, oh, well, somebody, somebody please do something about all this sin stuff. It's gross. It's gross in and around my family. It's gross in and around the world. Well, somebody please do something. Jesus is doing something about it and he's doing it in his church. This is really important. If you want to escape the effects and the muck and the grime of sin and you run away from God's people... That's the wrong direction. You've got to run towards God, people, who can help you with that, who can help carve out repentance and faith in your life. Because if you want to know, like, where is Jesus dealing with sin? Where is he making a pure and a holy people? It's, it's his church. It's his church. So if you hate sin, stick around. Because Jesus is doing something about it here. I love that because it's hope. It's hope for me. It's hope for the church. It's hope for my soul that the Lord Jesus, the only one who can free me from my sin, is doing something in me here among all you. It's beautiful. So I find that a compelling reason to stick around. Jesus loves his church and he's doing cool stuff among it. Uh, Third reason is Jesus goes with his church does anyone know the Great Commission off by heart and is willing to shout it out? Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples, that one. Warren, you got it, no? Yeah. There's a, when, when I recited, I realized for a while I was um, reciting it all up to a point and then I was leaving a phrase off at the end. Surely I'm with you always. You know, I, I had to go make disciples stuff. I was on mission. We're going to go make some disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And what does Jesus say? Surely I am with you always, even to the very ends of the age. See, it's a... Um, there's a picture that's painted when, we, when the Bible paints church. That is, yes, Jesus loving a group of people, but it's, it's not just one gigantic blob. You know, like if, if you're doing a painting and the artist is doing a painting and there's a, there's a canvas and the artist wants to paint something in the middle of the canvas and so he just goes and just puts this one big blob there and that's kind of art. That's not the way that Jesus or the Bible kind of portrays or paints the way that church looks. Church ain't one big blob. Church is all over the place. It's like that. And now it's splat and it's, it's all over the place because 
the church is active and going, and Jesus is going with them. Google's pretty nifty. Flip over to the next slide. I think I got a, a Google map. We got a Google map there. Hopefully it'll come up. There it is. Look at that. So Google can do some pretty cool things. Um, these are. This is like a. It's hard to see, but. These little uh, red things, they're maps of um, churches in our area. So if you go to Google and you go, where's the church? Where's the church at? Google can give you an answer. It's there. That's it. That's the church. Um, you'll see ours up in the top there. There's Frostlet Uniting. The one up the road didn't make Google, but maybe one day they'll make, the, make Google. Um, but the reality is, with the, the church, Google can't do the real map. <laughs> because the church is where God's people are. Because the people are the church. And Jesus is out there with lots of people. Google can't do the Jesus map of church. Google can't get your house you know, lit up as church, like these little token things. But if I could do it, I would. Because how beautiful a map would it be, Forest Lake and surrounding suburbs, if all God's people were lit up like a little... And where you see them gathering together, because we're the body that gathers, and there's little gatherings of people being... the in the church and in, in pockets around all over the place. And that would be a beautiful map. I'd love to see that map. That's the map God sees. That's a real map. We can't get it from Google, but we can get it from the Scriptures. How good is that? I long to be with Jesus. You know, like, I hate it when they ask that question at meetings. Um, if you could be with one Bible character... Who would it be? But you're not allowed to choose Jesus. I'm like, ah, he was my guy. I, I, I want to sit with him. I want to talk with him. I want to be with him because he knows me, because he knows what's real, because he knows the direction I should take in life, because he's Lord. He created me. I want to talk to him. And I can and I do because he's with us. He's so good. And to be with him is a is wonderful. When we say, I'm done with church, we're essentially tr- trying to say, well, I'm done with Jesus as well. That's functionally what, where it's at. Don't be done with Jesus. And he's your hope. He's your life. So where might all this stuff land? A few ideas for some practical applications. Uh, firstly, be a part of the church. You know, the entrance isn't um, a number of Hail Marys or confessional appearances or whatever it might be. The entrance is faith in Christ. And you can put it in there now if you haven't already, and you should. Be a part of the church. Another thing might be to take a fresh look at the church again. Perhaps the way that you have thought or are thinking about church has been modelled and constructed primarily by your experience of church. Model it on the Bible instead. The Bible says that Jesus, the Lord of all the earth, died because of how much he loved the church. The church is beautiful. The church is, is God's body on this planet. So if you're somebody who has an experience or a shape of church, that you, when church comes up in your mind, you're thinking about it in a certain way, 
I would just ask you to think about it in the Bible's way and realize that God is knitting together a beautiful people. He's dealing with sin in them. So perhaps it's just a mindset change for you this morning. Don't, don't know. Another thing is to learn repentance. I say learn there, but some of you might already know it. Maybe just do it. Spend time in your quiet times, in your, in your day, confessing your sin to the Lord and choosing his ways again and again and again. Because ultimately, that's what Jesus does in his people. When people come to church, it shouldn't be a barrage of judgment. It should be people sitting and praying with one another and confessing their sins to the Lord. Number four, rock up. You're already here. That's great. Perhaps attending for you is more is thinking more about being the body that gathers in a deeper sense by hitting up life groups or other smaller areas or going to do some sort of missional aspect together with some other brothers and sisters. The body that gathers is the church. So perhaps you need to rethink, uh, am I gathering like I should? Maybe that's it. Reconsider some language around church. It's very easy to keep talking about church as buildings and church as a service you attend. Are you going to church? And to some extent, that'll continue. But we must also have in our language, in our repertoire, the way that we speak about church, the way the Bible speaks about church. And that is that we are a people. We are God's people. God is building us. And it's beautiful people. And sin is being dealt with here. And lastly, if you want to know Jesus, um, stick around. Because <laughs> the church is where, it, where it's at for that. We, we, we read his Bible together. We gather together Jesus loves it and he's going with his church. Boring, irrelevant, hypocrites, bunch of old people, squashing my fun. I tried it and it didn't work. I don't need it. Just makes me feel guilty. No way. Not, not when we see the church the way the Bible sees it. No way. The church is beautiful and God is doing a beautiful thing and you're a part of it if you have faith. So I'm not done with church. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thanks for your word. Thanks that you, you, you give us truth when lies so easily creep in. Thank you that when we um, begin to peel it back and understand it, we see that you not only provide us with knowledge, but like a way to live. And Lord, as we go and as we seek to live out being your church, I pray that by your spirit, you might empower us and help us for that task. Lord, that you might bring to mind stuff from your word through the week, that you might uh, help us to be able to know and wrestle with you know, any challenges you brought up in our hearts today. But Lord, that we might roll them out and so we might actually experience what it says is going down in Ephesians, that we might be becoming sanctified, holy, without blemish. Lord, I pray you might put us on that trajectory and that as we go, we might continue to point everyone around we can to Jesus. The fact that he is glorious, that he loves us, that he gave himself up for us, Lord. Would you help us to be conduits and um, advocates and um, ambassadors for Christ well? as your people. Father, for those who are still hurting and who are here anyway, 
I just want to thank you for them. Thank you that they are in one way a, um, uh, a yes and amen to the truth that your scriptures have brought us today. The fact that they're still here, even though they have many reasons not to be. Lord, I pray you might dig these truths down deep. Uh, and I pray that as we roll them out this week, we might give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand with us as we sing?